Amen, amen. Well, good morning, Haynes Creek, and have a seat. Merry Christmas Eve. I can't believe it's already almost Christmas, y'all. It's wild. It's flying by. I don't know about you, but this uh, season seems so busy right now. Uh, but it is, uh, it is great to be worshiping with you this morning. Thank you so much for joining us. And I just want to say a special welcome to those who may be here for the first time. Maybe you're, you're in town visiting with family or, or you got invited by a friend in the area. Either way, we are so grateful that you are here worshiping with us. We love and appreciate that you would take the time to come and be our guest today. Um, and if you don't have a church home, if you don't worship somewhere uh, typically or, or usually, we, we would love to have you. Uh, we gather here in this gym every single Sunday morning at 10 a.m. So we would love to have you uh, join us again um, next week even, uh, or the week after, whatever works for you. We would love to have you. But uh, thank you for being here on this special Sunday. And uh, we've got some special guests in the room beyond our first-time visitors. We've got some awesome children in here. Typically, we have kids ministry uh, that runs from birth through fifth grade. And we have some incredible volunteers that are pouring into and teaching our kids the gospel week in and week out. But we like to do a special family-style service for Christmas Eve. So uh, kids in the room, I, I need you to do a favor for me. Um, and don't worry, I'm giving you permission to do this, so don't look at mom and dad. It's okay. I'm going to count to three, and I just want you to give me a bit, as loud as you can. Just give me a big yell, all right? One, two, three. Let me hear you. Come on. I know my kids can, they yell louder at the dinner table. Y'all, what are you doing back there? That was weak, but I'm going to give you a pass. That's okay. I got a question for you, though. All right, kids in the room, I have a question. I want you to yell this out, all right? Just yell it out. As soon as I ask the question, I want you to yell your answer out, okay? What is your favorite part about Christmas? Let me hear it. Seeing your family. That's a good one. Jace, well done, man. Yeah? Opening presents, I heard. Ben loves the Christmas cookies. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's great. That's great. There's a lot of good things about Christmas, right? Who can tell me, kids in the room, who can tell me why we celebrate Christmas? What's the most important thing about Christmas? Let me hear it. Anybody? Jace is the man back there. Well done, sir. Jesus. Jesus is the reason for the season, right? This is why we celebrate Christmas every single year is because of Jesus. I want to take a few minutes today and let's just focus on what this season means. Let's focus on Jesus and why we celebrate Christmas every single year. And, and what we do each year is we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And many of y'all have probably heard this story a thousand times. If you've grown up in church, you've probably heard it numerous times. Even if you're, you're not familiar with church, you've probably heard some version or little bits and pieces of it. But we know that the birth story starts with a young, engaged couple, Mary and Joseph, who, who at different times were both visited by an angel and told that Mary would become pregnant with the Messiah, with God's son, God himself. The virgin would become pregnant. And we know that, that as she became pregnant, there was a moment in history where the Roman Empire called for a census, and everybody had to go back to their hometowns. And Joseph was from Bethlehem. So Mary and Joseph make the long journey from Nazareth down to Bethlehem, where, where they, they come, and the city's packed, right? Everybody's coming into town to register for the census, and it's packed, and there's, there's no room for them. Right? We're told that there's, there's no room in the inn, there's no guest room. There, what that means is there, there was no private place for Mary and Joseph. And this was about the time that she was going to give birth. So, so thankfully, they, they found some kind of common room. Most likely, they were opened up to like some, some common room living space area in somebody's home. They welcomed them in, and this was at night, and, and the animals would have been in there with them. And, and that's where Mary gives birth to the Messiah, to God himself. 
born in some common room with animals and then wrapped in cloths and laid down in a manger, which is an animal feeding trough. I mean, the Messiah, God himself being born in the most humble way possible. And then I love what Luke says. In Luke chapter 2, Luke says that this is what happens after the birth of Jesus. Starting in verse 8 of Luke chapter 2, it says, In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to the people he favors. this man, God was so excited about the birth of his son, about the birth of Jesus, that he, he tells the first people that were there, right, just find some shepherds in the field, and like, hey, hey, y'all, here's the good news. A savior was born tonight. And he says that this is, this is good news of great joy for all people. This was, this was no ordinary birth. This baby that was born was no ordinary baby. And the reason, the reason that Jesus' birth, as we're told here, is good news of great joy for all people is because of who Jesus is and what Jesus would accomplish for us. So I just want to take a, a few minutes of our time today and just remind us of who Jesus is and what he accomplished for us. And to do that, I want to actually go, go back to the Old Testament. I want to look at, at a verse in the Old Testament in the prophet of Isaiah. And what is fascinating about the birth of Jesus is that, that God told us about the birth of Jesus hundreds of years before it would happen. Hundreds of years, God was telling his people that there was a coming Messiah, that a child, a Savior would be born. And I want to look at one of those passages today in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, and it says this. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Now this verse is a promise from God about the coming Savior, about the coming Messiah. It's a promise of Jesus, about Jesus. And we're told here that that he's going to be called four different things. He will be named four different things. Now, these weren't uh, typical names, right? Like it was Jesus was growing up and someone was like, oh, hey, 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 wonderful counselor. Hi, how you doing, buddy? Hey, Prince of Peace, come over here. Come sit next to me. No, these, weren't, these weren't actual names. These, these are more titles of, of Jesus, and they point to his character, of who he is and what he would do for us. So I just want to, again, take a few minutes of our time today and walk through these four titles of Jesus and what they tell us about him. So the first one that we're given is that he will be named Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor. Now, the literal translation of that would be a wonder of a counselor. And that, that word wonderful that we see here in Isaiah chapter 9 is, is a word that means supernatural. It means transcending. It means uh, awe-inspiring or like nothing that we've ever seen before. That's what that word means. And then counselor is, is just like how we use it today, right? A counselor is somebody who offers wisdom and guidance to people. That's exactly what Jesus is. He is the wonderful counselor. 
He is the one who offers us the supernatural, transcendent wisdom and guidance from God. That's who Jesus is. And like that is something that we are in desperate need of today. It may not seem like that because we live in a, in, in a day and age where there is no shortage of information and advice that we could just find in an instant, right? I mean, I don't know about you guys, but if there's something that I want to learn, something that I want to figure out, what's the first thing I do? I Google it. What's the second thing I do? I find a YouTube video about it, right? Like there's no shortage of information just at our fingertips, man, like nothing we've ever seen before. But what that also means is that, that anybody out there can put out any kind of information and any kind of advice or helpful things and now we're in this weird kind of situation where we're like, okay, there's a ton of information available, but it's not all helpful. It's not all accurate. It's maybe not even all true, right? And now we have the hard work of kind of sifting through, okay, what's actually helpful? What's actual truth? But with Jesus, we, we can trust him. We can trust our wonderful counselor. We can trust his word. We don't have to doubt if this is true, if what we are told about Jesus is true. We don't, we don't have to worry about that. We can trust his wisdom. We can trust his guidance. We can trust that he is going to lead us and guide us and teach us. And one of the, one of the wonderful things about Scripture is that it tells us if any of us lack wisdom, which I don't know about you, but that, that's me all the time, right? I can always use more wisdom. The Bible tells us that if we just ask, God gives that to us generously. That's awesome, y'all. That is, that is good news right there. Our wonderful counselor promises to give us his supernatural, transcendent, awe-inspiring, like nothing we've ever seen or could comprehend, wisdom from God. Number two, the second thing that we're, we're told, the second title we're given, is that Jesus is the mighty God. Jesus will be named Mighty God. And the first thing this reminds us of is that Jesus is God. Jesus is God. He is fully God. And even though he came to earth and lived as a man, there was never a point where he ceased being fully God. What this tells us is this, there's this incredible thing that happens when Jesus comes to earth and is born as a baby. He adds to his divine nature a human nature, right? So our God is, our, our Jesus is, is one, one person, two natures, fully God, fully man at all times. So he is fully God. This baby that was born is God himself, the second person of, of the Trinity, the eternal God the Son. That's who this baby is. That's who we celebrate at Christmas, God himself being born. And look, the, the focus at Christmas is, is baby Jesus, right? It's sweet little baby Jesus. We see it in all the nativity sets. You see it. Maybe even have, we got a nativity set in our yard. We got a couple of them, right, that have, you know, Mary and Joseph, and, and you got sweet little baby Jesus. There's some animals. Maybe there's some wise men, but, but you got little baby Jesus, and that's great, and, and we should celebrate that miracle because it, it is a miracle. Jesus coming to earth and being born of a virgin, putting on humanity. Like, that is a miracle. The incarnation is incredible. Good news. But I think, I think too often we, we leave our image and our view of Jesus as sweet little baby Jesus. But this tells us that Jesus' name is Mighty God. That word for mighty could be translated warrior. He is the warrior God. And when Jesus comes to earth and is born as a baby, he comes to fight and win a battle. The war between Satan and God. And Jesus comes to give Satan his final and full defeat. 
I love how Revelation 12 tells the story of Christmas. It says this, Revelation 12, verse 1. It says, A great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in labor and agony as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, and there was a fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns, and on its heads were seven crowns. Its tail swept away a third of the stars in heaven and hurled them to the earth. And the dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she did give birth, it might devour her child. She gave birth to a son. That's Jesus. Gave birth to a son, a male who is going to rule all nations with an iron rod. Her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God to be nourished there for 1,260 days. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon and his angels also fought, but he could not prevail. And there was no place for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was thrown out. The ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the one who deceives the whole world, he was thrown to earth and his angels with him. I don't know about you guys, but that's the nativity set that I want to see. That's the nativity set that I want to put in my yard with this red dragon and Jesus coming down with an iron rod and sitting on his throne ready to crush this dragon, crush the enemy. That's Jesus, right? Like if, we, if we could get some like Christmas blow-ups of that, sign me up. I'll put those all over my yard. That would be amazing. That's who our Jesus is. That's who this sweet little baby Jesus is. He is the warrior God who came to fully and finally defeat Satan, defeat sin, defeat evil and all brokenness in this world. And he does that through his death and resurrection. And we await his final consummation of that, his final completion of that when he comes again. That's our mighty God. That is our warrior God. And that, that reminds us of this beautiful truth that our Jesus, our Savior, is stronger. He is greater. He is more powerful than anything that we have going on in our lives. I mean, just think about that for a moment. All of our struggles, all of our fears, all of our guilt, all of our shame, all of our regrets, all of our pain, all of our hardships, all of our brokenness, our God is bigger and stronger than all of that. And we can rely on our warrior God who will always fight for us. Jesus is mighty God. The third title that we are given here is that he is eternal father. Eternal father speaks to, to Jesus' role towards us. Jesus fulfills perfectly what our earthly fathers strive to do, although imperfectly and maybe some tragically not at all. But our, our Jesus fulfills that role perfectly. The Bible often speaks of Jesus being our provider, being our protector, telling us how deeply he cares for his people, about his constant love for us, his grace-filled discipline towards us, his guidance, his constant presence, that, that he listens to us and cares about our burdens and our struggles, that he sympathizes with us in our weakness. And I could go on and on about the many ways that, that Jesus fills the role of perfect father in our lives. And, and he's, he's the eternal father. I mean, he, he does this perfectly forever. Unlike earthly parents, my kids can tell you how often I sadly let them down. And we as parents, we can all acknowledge that, right? We let our kids down more often than we would probably care to admit. But our Jesus never does. 
He never does. He never fails in his role as father towards us. He is always loving. He is always caring. He is always protecting, always providing. He's always at work in our lives. And what the, what the Christmas story tells us, what the birth of Jesus tells us, is that Jesus is always with us. In Matthew's version of the Christmas story, Matthew tells us, and he quotes another Old Testament passage where he says that this baby will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And that's the beauty of Christmas, is it reminds us, the birth of Jesus reminds us that God is with us. He's with us. And he's always with us. And it tells us that that Jesus left the glory and the riches and the perfection of heaven so that he could come and live as a human, live as a man, and be with us. And that's a constant presence. He never walks away. He never turns his back. He never abandons us. Despite the many times we turn our back on him and we walk away from him in our sin, Jesus is always right there with us. That is our eternal father. And Jesus' birth reminds us that there is nothing that can keep the love of Jesus away from us, right? There's no chasm too big. There's no difficulty, no hardship, no gap too wide. There is no sin too great, church. Let me say that again. There is no sin too great that keeps our Savior away from us. And as the eternal Father, he is the one who provides the path of eternity for us. Jesus tells us in John 14, 6, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through faith in him. Eternal life comes through Jesus. And the fourth title that we're given here is that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. He is the one who brings us ultimate, true, and eternal peace, church. Look, the Bible tells us that we're we're all sinners, We're all sinners, and because of our sin, that makes us enemies of God. We are against God in our sins. And there has to be someone to come and reconcile us to God, to bring peace between us and God. And Jesus is the one who does that. Jesus brings peace by coming to earth, by being born, by living the perfect life that we never could. And and on the cross, he takes on our sin. He takes on the punishment that we deserve for our sin. He takes on all of that so that through faith in him, our sins can be forgiven. And that forgiveness brings peace between us and God. It reconciles us to God. It draws us near to God. And this spiritual, eternal peace is not just for that. It's not just for eternity. It's not just for our spiritual lives. It's not just in terms of our sin against God. This peace that Jesus brings us is for everyday life. We tend to live busy, hurried, stress-filled, hectic lives, right? I mean, especially around the holidays. I won't make you raise your hand, but I'm sure some of y'all are probably feeling a little stressed out right now. Maybe you're planning for parties and family coming into town and wrapping gifts and all the different things that, yes, we love about the holidays, but it's busy. It's busy, and it can be filled with stress. And it's not just holidays. That that tends to be how many of us live our lives is filled with stress and worry and fear and anxieties. And here's, here's the beauty of our Prince of Peace. He wants to give us his peace, and the way he does that is by us taking all of our stress 
all of our worries, all of our fears, and then giving them to Jesus. He wants us to do that. He wants us to bring our burdens. He wants us to bring our fears. He wants us to bring all those things that we're worried and stressed out about and give them to him, entrust those to him. And say, Jesus, here, I'm giving you this stuff and I'm trusting you to do with it as you please. So we get to exchange all those things that burden us and weigh us down. And then Jesus takes that and then gives us his peace. And we can live a life of peace in the midst of chaos and stress and worry and fear that this world so often brings. That is our Prince of Peace. And church, as I, as I close up here, I just want to read again Isaiah 9, 6, because there, there's a part at the beginning that we skipped over, and I want to come back to that. Isaiah 9, 6 again says, For a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us. Jesus comes for us. Jesus is a gift given to us. Who doesn't like gifts, right? Like we all love giving and receiving gifts. We do that so often at Christmas, right? But Jesus, Jesus here is, is the greatest gift. He's the greatest gift. And the reason why is because what Jesus brings us is eternal salvation. Is salvation. As I mentioned earlier, the Bible says that we are all sinners. We're all sinners, which means we all think, say, and do things that go against God's standard. And God's standard is perfection. So you might not like that term sinner, and you're like, Travis, I don't really like that. I don't want to be called a sinner. Okay, well, that's fine. But can we all admit that, that none of us are perfect? Can we all admit that, that, that we all fall short sometimes? We all do things and say things and think things that we shouldn't and wish we could take back. That's, that's what the Bible calls sin. God's standard is perfection. That is a standard that you and I could never meet. We could never meet. And, and because of that, because of our sin, because of our failure to be perfect, the Bible tells us what we earn, what we store up because of our sin is God's wrath and punishment. And what we deserve is to be separated from God in hell forever. That's what the Bible tells us. That is our fate apart from Jesus. And that's why we celebrate Jesus at this time. That's why him being born, him coming to us is such good news. Because Jesus came to save us. Jesus comes to earth. He is born as a baby, as a man. And, and again, he, he lived a perfect life. He fully met God's standard, lived a life free of sin, never messing up, not even once. Jesus lives a perfect life. And then he willingly goes to the cross. He willingly lays down his life for us. And on the cross, he takes on all of our sin. He takes on all that punishment that you and I deserve. He takes on all the wrath stored up for our sins, and he dies the death that we should have died on the cross. See, Jesus lived the perfect life that you and I never could, and he died the death that you and I deserved. But here's the good news of the gospel is that Jesus doesn't stay dead. On the third day, Jesus rises from the dead, fully defeating death, sin, and the devil. And the Bible tells us that when we put our faith in him, 
which means when we trust in Jesus for our salvation, not relying on ourselves, not relying that, that at some point at the end of our lives, our good deeds are going to outweigh our bad deeds. That's not God's standard. God's standard is perfection. We can never reach that. And here's the good news of the gospel. We don't have to. Jesus does it for us. So when we put our faith and our trust in him, that perfection is applied to us. Jesus takes all of our sin. He forgives all of our sin, church, past, present, future sins, all forgiven by Jesus. He sets us free from the bondage of sin. He gives us the promise of eternal life. And the Bible tells us that, that those of us who have put our faith in Christ are no longer condemned. No longer do we live under condemnation. No longer do we live under wrath. No longer do we face our guilt and our shame. No more darkness. When the Bible talks about us living in sin, it uses this metaphor of darkness. It tells us that, that before Christ, before Jesus saves us, we live in our sin. We live in darkness. But what Jesus does when he comes, when he saves us, is he brings the light of salvation. Jesus tells us in John's gospel that he is the light of the world. He brings us out of the sin of darkness and brings us into his glorious light. Just a few verses above in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 2, it says this, The people walking in darkness, that's us, have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. That's what Jesus does for us. He comes to be the light of the world. He comes to rescue us out of darkness and set us into the light of his eternal life and forgiveness. That's what Jesus does. So look, in a minute, we're going we're gonna to pray. The band's going to come back up here and lead us in a few more songs. And we're going to do something. We're, we're going to drop the lights. And this is why I, we passed out glow sticks to you on your way. And if you didn't get one, there's some. Stand, Lee's back there. Raise your hand, Lee. Lee's back there. There's some back there. By Lee. Go grab one of those. And we're going to go, you can crack these now if you want to, you can do it when we pray. We're going to drop the lights, and we're going to light up this place with these glow sticks. And it's not just because it's fun to do at Christmas. It's not just a special time, looks cool. It's to remind us of this truth. That we were once in darkness, and Jesus came to rescue us out of that darkness and bring us into the light. So we're going to, like I said, I'm going to pray and we're going to worship, and we're going to sing, and we're going to raise these high church, and we are going to praise our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our eternal father, our prince of peace, the light of the world, Jesus Christ. And look, if you're here and, and you've never put your faith in Jesus, just before we end, I want to say a word to you that this promise of salvation is, is for you. Jesus came for you. And he's calling you to walk away from your sin, walk away from living in darkness, walk away from the guilt, from the shame that you carried, walk away from the brokenness, walk away from, from having to feel like you need to constantly earn your place. He wants you to walk away from all of that and turn to him. He wants to save you. He wants to forgive you. So if you're here and you've never put your faith in Jesus, but you're ready to step out of the darkness and into the light, as I pray, I just want you to say these things to God too. Just say, Jesus, I'm trusting in you for my salvation. I'm not relying on myself, not relying on my works. I'm trusting in you, Jesus. Please forgive me. Save me. Like he does. The Bible tells us that, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved.
So if you're here and you'd like to do that, I'll be hanging out in the back. We've got tons of leaders and awesome folks here. If you came with somebody that invited you, they'd love to talk with you about this too. But if you have any questions about what that looks like, about what that means, don't leave today without talking to somebody. Let, let, let today be the day of your salvation. Let me pray for us. Again, the band's going to come up, and we're going to drop the lights here in a second. Jesus, we, we thank you for this day. We thank you for what it means, Jesus, that you came for us that you put on humanity, that you came born as a little baby, as a man, to live the life we never could, to die the death that we deserved. So Jesus, we worship you today for that. We celebrate you at this time for that, for your love, for your sacrifice, for your mercy and your grace upon our lives, Lord. So we love you. We praise you. We lift high your name today. In shame we pray. Amen.